This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England supporters podcast. Here we are, middle of October, we're in years gone by, a time that qualification campaigns generally draw to a close, usually with England having assured themselves a place at either a Euros or a World Cup. This time around, it was Andorra away and Hungary at home. Would results go our way? Or would we have to wait until November? Coming up on this episode, we will look back on those uh, with a friend of the show, CJ Joyner, who was at both games. Uh, Now, don't forget, you can listen to any previous episode of the Three Lions podcast on your chosen podcast provider uh, or at threelionspodcast.com. Plenty of good chats with England fans on there. And I'm pleased to say there are still some to come your way. So hit the subscribe button and you shouldn't miss one. Also, if you haven't as yet, you can find the show on all the usual social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. It should all come up. Uh, Also coming up on this episode, we'll also talk Nations League as following the recent finals. uh, We now know the structure of it for the next edition. But before we do all of that, I thought we'd just take a run through through all the other England teams that have been in action during this international window. Uh, we'll start with the under-18s. They had two games, two friendly games, uh, played in Marbella in Spain. Coach Ryan Gary took them over there. They faced Norway, where they lost 2-1. Uh, and then they beat Russia 3-0. The under-19s. Well, next month, the under-19s are in action against Sweden in a UEFA Euro qualification match. So to get some preparation under their belts, they also went to Marbella for a few games against similar opponents. On the 6th of October, they faced France, uh, lost 3-1. Aston Villa's Aaron Ramsey. Yep, same name, different player. Uh, He got the only goal for England. Three days later, England played Mexico. We ran out 3-1 winners there. Uh, They did come from behind to win that game. Aaron Ramsey again. There was an own goal and Chelsea's Harvey Vale got the third. Both Ramsey and Vale had come on as second-half substitutes to turn that game around. And then on the 12th of October, uh, England lost to Belgium 3-2. Tottenham's Dane Scarlett scored both of England's goals, uh, but it wasn't enough for them there. We'll, uh, we'll keep you updated with that game against Sweden uh, next month in a Euro qualifier for them. The under-20s, uh, they had a couple of games. They played Italy up at Chesterfield. Leeds' Lewis Bate scoring. I say up at Chesterfield, that's because it's up for me. It could be down for you. could actually be in Chesterfield for you. Uh, and then they played away in the Czech Republic. Uh, came away with a 5-0 win. Uh, Miguel Aziz from Portsmouth. Jay Stansfield from Fulham. Astino Anjorn got two goals there. He's currently on loan uh, at Lokomotiv Moscow. And Morgan Rogers of Bournemouth got the goals there. 
And then the under-21s, Euro qualifying for the under-21s. On the 7th of October, they drew with Slovenia away. Uh, two goals each there, 2-2. Two, two. Conor Gallagher of Crystal Palace and Cole Palmer of Manchester City put us 2-0 up within 15 minutes. Uh, and then a poor second-half performance saw Slovenia Come back and get a point from that. The under-21s have not lost a European qualifier since November 2011. And this latest result extended that unbeaten run to 47 games. Uh, And then on the 11th of October, uh, again in Euro qualifying, and shortly after the senior men had played in Andorra, the under-21s played there. Same ground. They came away with a 1-0 win and three points thanks to a goal from Arsenal's Emil Smith-Rowe. This came as England were down to 10 men because Rian Brewster had been sent off in the first half. In these uh, Euro Under-21 qualifiers, England are in Group G and these two results meant that they are currently third in the table. Having played three games, they are behind Albania and the Czech Republic but they do have a game in hand on both of them. And they play the Czech Republic at Burnley's Turf Moor next month. And the women, the Lionesses, although they didn't play uh, during our international window, their international window is coming up in a couple of weeks' time because they have games against Northern Ireland, that's at Wembley, and then they're away to Latvia. And of course, these follow the first two games of Serena Weigmann's reign where they scored 18 goals in two games. There was the 8-0 home win over North Macedonia and then there was the 10-0 away win in Luxembourg. Now, Weigmann revealed her latest squad for the 2023 World Cup qualifiers, of which are being played in Australia and New Zealand. It is a 24-woman squad that sees the return of Aston Villa's goalkeeper Hannah Hampton, Manchester United's forward Alicia Russo, uh, Kira Walsh for Manchester City. She's also back following injury. Uh, there's no Ellie Roebuck, no Lucy Bronze, no Steph Horton, uh, as they're still out injured or getting back to fitness. And it's good to see youngsters Sandy McCliver, Jesse Carter, Neve Charles, Lotta Wibbermoy, Lauren Hemp and Ella Toon. They have all retained their places following those two recent wins. Uh, but just to go down the full squad, the full 24 players, goalkeepers, Mary Earps, Hannah Hampton and Sandy McIver. Defenders, Millie Bright, Jess Carter, Neve Charles, Rachel Daly, Alex Greenwood, Demi Stokes, Lotta Wibbermoy. In the midfield, Jill Scott, Georgia Stanway, Lucy Stanforth, Kira Walsh, Leah Williamson and Katie Zellum. And then strikers, there are Bethany England, Lauren Hemp, Frank Herbie, Beth Mead, Nikita Paris, Alicia Russo, Ella Toon and Ellen White. Of course, those two games against Northern Ireland and Latvia, I'm sure at some point we will look back on those two games, hopefully with Rich Laverty. So stay tuned for that and good luck to the Lionesses. Uh, now, as I mentioned, it's always good to have CJ with us on the show. And yeah, I'd like to welcome him back to the Three Lives podcast. CJ, you all right? All good, thanks, Russell. Thanks, Russell. How are you? 
Yeah, all good. Good to be uh, good to be speaking with you again. It's been a little while. As uh, as I mentioned, you've been out into you went to Andorra and obviously we're at the Hungary game. Let's let's start with the start with the Andorra game. I mean, I guess from a lot of people's perspective, although there was a lot of people wanting to go, there was probably the the apprehension of of going abroad for some that maybe put them off. How, how did you find it all? Bit frustrating with filling in the forms. Mm. Uh, our passenger location form, I felt quite. It, it was pretty uh, straightforward, really. What took the time really was the Spanish one. Right. The Spanish one, but to get into Barcelona. I mean, I don't know the people that went through to lose. I'm not sure how they how they got on with the French. I don't know if there was a French one. I don't know. Mm. But the um, the Spanish one, it was just a, it was just a right pain just to do it. It, it a lot of the. Um, a lot of the different sections, the different bits of the form, they weren't necessarily um, corresponding with what you needed to write in it. You'd write what it asked for and it didn't recognise it. Zip codes, stuff like that. It didn't, didn't recognise the zip codes of the hotels and whatever. Mm. So, yeah, it, it, that, was a, that, was, that was a bit of a pain, I've got to say. But you got there eventually and obviously stayed in Barcelona. Yes. That's fine. I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've said- strange feelings about Barcelona I, I can't decide whether I like it or not I, lo- I love it love Barcelona I've been there a few times um, mm. yeah you see, I've, I've had a lot of happy memories of Barcelona uh, MotoGPs and stuff like that Montmelo just up the road and yeah. uh, football travelling through for football yeah fa- fantastic yeah. loved it but obviously if you're going or playing against Andorra there's no um no direct link into Andorra. So how did you go about getting from Barca to, to Andorra? Well, I mean, the people I was with were quite pleased about it because this time around, it wasn't like the um, five or six, you know, five or six flights in, five, well, I don't know, a couple of flights in, a couple of flights out. No, this time it was um, it was one, one flight in, one flight out. So we flew out of Luton. We got there the day before and then we flew back um, back to East Midlands the day after. So we went Friday to Sunday. And yeah, we sent a nice hotel, Block 109 Hotel. It's very, very good. And, so the, um, the rooftop one, was it? Yeah, with the rooftop. Um, well, when I say pool, it's the rooftop um, sink. It was, uh, you know, I've, I, there's a few records set in that pool, I tell you, for the length. <laughs> the, 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 the length. But yeah, it was um, It was still good. It was. Still, it, I, I only went in there the once. I went in there for half an hour, 45, and just had a quick, quick dip. But um, it was quite refreshing. Did that first thing in the morning. And then um, on the day of the game, but yeah, nice, nice hotel, very nice. Yeah. And what? And there was organised coach between uh, Barcelona and Andorra, all, all sorted and straightforward. Uh, reasonably, yeah. So there was us. There were there were we had kind of two and a half coaches uh, on the ball at about five, and I think Dean Cornish had maybe one or two. So a good number of coaches from different people, and uh, a bit of a nightmare really because it took about five hours to get there because of the traffic. Um, it was yeah. I mean, it, it should be a three-hour journey. I think it took five. Coach driver w- would not unlock the toilet, which was um, oh painful. A bit of a yeah, that was a bit of a nightmare for some people. And um, he, he did originally, I think, plan. I did think he originally said we'd stop every hour and a half. Didn't do that until about two and a half, three hours into the journey. There was a lot of people need, re- trying to reach for bottles and Ooh. all sorts. Um, but either way, um, we got that. We got there at probably a. Uh, I think it was something like four. Yeah, it must have been about four when we got there in the afternoon, and um, 
we the coach driver said, right, I'll see you at one. And we're like, what, one? You said to us originally, like, you'd, you'd be leaving half 11. No, no, you've got to have a nine-hour break. So yeah. after the game finished, we had to kind of find somewhere where we could all go, whether it was a fast food restaurant, restaurant, bar, find somewhere where yeah. we could just sit for two hours or so and then and kind of just wait for the coach to leave. Oh, well, I mean, I saw plenty of pictures of, of Andorra and like um, sort of not the ground, but like the surrounding areas look lovely. Beautiful. Anybody that's kind of on a driving holiday going through France and into Spain, I'd suggest kind of just make, make a day or two days free just so you can just call into Andorra quite cheap, fill your car, van, motor home up there, you know, by <laughs> all means, because it's, it's the fuel's cheap there. There seems to be, I mean, the first thing we noticed when we got in there, there seemed to be about 15 petrol stations within right. probably the first mile, literally like there's one after the other, including three or four of the same brand, like you'd have three or four Cresters or whatever they're called and a couple of BPs all within on the same street. Yeah. A lot so, of English uh, filling their boots at petrol stations. Who thought yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, we, we were thinking... Oh, Christ, you know, imagine what it was like the other week in England, compare, compare it to here, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think they had that problem. Um, no. So, but, but yeah, so, I mean, it, as I say, it was quite cheap as well. Food, drinks, quite cheap out there. So, uh, but as I said, well worth a visit. Just, just to kind of look, just look at the views and stuff. And like, they, they had a, they had a river, or I, I guess it would be a river running through the middle of them, near the stadium. And, um, that was um I've never seen water that clear. Right. Just like literally like it just come out of the tap. You could Lovely. just yeah, yeah, really but say a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. Well, let's just get on to the game. Um I mean the the day before, I mean you, you couldn't make it up, could you, with the <laughs> the TV gantry catching fire, which I don't know, I think it was some sort of electrical fault or something. Um, but yeah, it, it managed the game was obviously on. I think a few people got a little bit panicky about it, but I don't think it was ever going to be in in that no. much uh, distress. But yeah, the, the game, Gareth put out a, you don't want to call it a, well, it's a second string team. He's used his squad members, really. Um, just really quickly run through that. There was Sam Johnston, Kieran Trippier was captain, Ben Chilwell, James Ward-Browse, John Stones, Connor Cody, Bakaya Sacco. Uh, Phil Foden, Tammy Abraham, Jesse Lingard and, and Jane Sancho. Um, 5-0 win, got the job done. What was the what was the atmosphere like in the ground? What what was your general thoughts on it all? It wasn't, I mean, it's not great for atmosphere because 99% of the stadium's open. Yeah. Um, really, it's it's not that, the, you know, the odd roof, but it's not it, where we were anyway, open. And, um it's difficult to get yourself up for a game like that, really. Um, you, you, you know, realistic, we're going to win, um, especially if we've only just played them. We beat them at home, so we knew what to expect from them. I thought they were, I thought they were reasonably well organised, to be honest. Mm. Um, one of their players has become one of the favourites in the whole country for um, for his uh, what he said on social media because in falling over with Jaden Sancho, was he the one that you had on the podcast? Do you know what? I'm, I haven't seen this. Um, yeah, I previously spoke to Ildefons Solar. Uh, it might not be him then. Go on, enlighten uh, me. I, I haven't heard this. He ba- basically he 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 it, when he when he was trying to run after Sancho, he, he kind of pulled up, felt his hamstring, 
I think it was him because he's like 41, 42. That's right, that's him. Yeah. So ever since on Twitter, he's been doing things like um, people have said to him, oh, you know, don't worry. Thank you for thank you for being so open on Twitter, Play, playing to your age and, you know, playing international football. And he said, you're an inspiration to, to me. He, said, he replied effectively saying, you need to get out more or something. Oh. Um, things, things along those lines or you, you need... You need to get better aspirations in life, or, or something like that. Oh, right. Somebody said, uh, "Did did you give did Sancho give you his shirt?" And he he said, "No, he's still running." Also, <laughs> uh, all sorts of different things. Seems so, so like a really good character to start with. I thought this is a parody account, and then he go, <laughs> just goes, "But it's, no, it's a genuine account." And he said about his. Um, somebody said, um, "You wouldn't last five minutes against uh, Cristiano Ronaldo or Mbappe," and he said. Well, funny enough, I played against I played him against both for ninety minutes, and you know showed a picture of him playing against them. Oh, I'll have to so, uh, I'll have to go back yeah. and troll through that. No, he was a nice guy yeah, when he came on the yeah, pod before. Yeah, yeah, he seems like a nice nice guy. He seems like a nice guy on the pod, and seems like a nice guy on socials as well. You know, yeah. it's quite doesn't take life too seriously, and it's good. And so, yeah, so there, there was there was that, and then that that caused that caused a few laughs that did with the you know seeing. In, he went down a bit dramatically, yeah. put it that way. I thought we were, it's difficult to assess um, a performance when you're playing against a team like that. Yeah. Like when you look, when you go back to 2018, how can you assess how we played against Panama, you know, for example? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, when we play San Marino, how can you assess how we play against them? It's it's not that you know that the these teams they're quite low down. Andorra, admittedly, are a lot better than they used to be, and the Nations League has helped that quite a lot. And it's you know you, you've got to you've got to give it to the uh, to UEFA for that for creating this competition, which means that they've been able to be competitive alongside teams like Andorra. Uh, sorry, yeah, San Marino, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, people like that. Luxembourg actually as well. I think they've got up to pot five. Right. So um, yeah, I think Andorra, Andorra are a pot five team now, which we've got to remember that they're not a pot six team. But you could see that they they, they were quite well organised, but it was similar to the home game. Really, they 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 did quite well for the first sort of hour. They just ran out of steam. Yeah, we, we probably could have scored two or three more than what we did. Yeah. So. Well, on the the score in front, obviously uh, Ben Chilwell got his first goal for England. Um, oh, VAR sort of intercepted on that one, and it. It's just so frustrating when, uh, from a supporter's point of view, you see the ball go in the net, you cheer, then you see VAR come up and you have to wait a minute and a half, two minutes, it felt like, for him to be awarded the goal. And then when you do celebrate, it, it all, to me, it feels a little bit false, that second <laughs> celebration. Yeah, yeah, a bit limp, yeah. The thing, is, the thing is with that is that I don't think the, I don't think the referee gave it, did he? Oh, you say he? It was oh, she. sorry, she. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a big thing. We'll go on. I've, I've actually got that written down in notes actually to um to talk about that. But she didn't go th- uh, kind of gave give the goal. I don't think so. We, we were a little bit like, oh, we scored, but I think it's going to be given. I don't think that's going to be given. Yeah. So there's been one or two recently where, um, you know, there's been the goal's been given as offside, and VR has overruled it. So you can't have it both ways, really. At the end of the day, I, I'm looking at it thinking I'd rather everything was just 100% legit all the time, and just you know, and and it swings and roundabouts. At the end of the day, you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna win some, you're gonna lose some on it. Yeah. But 
with, with regards to that, it, I think this season it's kind of gone towards the attacking team, if anything, more, yeah. more than what it had been in the past anyway. There's been quite a few goals that have been given offside and then all of a sudden it's been given you know, by the VAR, which, which is good to see really because that, that's what it's all about, isn't it? it? You know, you don't write down how many tackles a player made at the end. Well, you might do, but you, you, they don't go in the win column. The, the, no. the goal, they, you know... It, the, the end of the day, it's all down to it's all down to how many goals are scored, and um, yeah, so it's um, th- that's what football's all about, really. At the end of the day, um, so it is it is good to see. It's just, as I said, it's just a shame, really, because it was a good goal, and it's a shame that um, Chilwell couldn't celebrate it straight away, and yeah. you know. But at the end of the day, if VAR hadn't been there, he probably wouldn't have got that goal. So that is true. Yeah. yeah. Well, Saka um, got his got on the score sheet. Tammy Abraham. Uh, after he was recalled, James Ward-Prowse for penalty and then rebound. Um, and then mm. there was Jack Grealish's goal, which first England goal, which was the uh, the huge assist from from Sam Johnston, the large throw. So all in all, a, a few yeah. new new names on the score sheet um, and, and rounded off with a 5-0 win. Yeah, I think we're, um, I think with the, at the end of the day, with, with, with professional performance and um, can't really say a lot more about it. Yeah. Really, um, yeah. So I, I'm. I was quite happy with it. I thought the game was a bit dull, but yeah, all all in all, professional performance. Go on, and you mentioned the the all female lineup of referees, referees assistants. I, I kind of think, okay, they're they're professionals in their job. Do they really need to to get as much publicity? Um, in doing the role, they're, they're just there to do the job. And as a male referee should be, they've, they've done a good job on the night, I thought. I don't think they performed too badly at all, really. Yeah. There's one or two one or two decisions I looked at I thought, mm, OK. But you're going to get comment- that with any. Yeah. Saw a few comments on social media that I, I didn't like, really, after the game, because you didn't have any phone signal in there. You know, they, no. they used 4G, 5G, whatever. But um, afterwards, when we were waiting for our coach, we... Um, you know, I noticed on Twitter some people complaining about them I and mean, referring to the gender, and I'm thinking, yeah. no, that's not right. At the end of the day, if they're, if they're if they're at the top of their profession, why can't they come and Absolutely. referee? And it'd be the same as the other way around. At the end of the day, you know, I've got no problem with with, with men refereeing women's football. It's just, yeah, if they're capable of um, of doing the job, I don't think gender should come into it either either way. Yeah, no, absolutely, fully agree, and I'm sure we'll we'll see it at, at another England game in in due course. Um, an all female yeah. all female refereeing team, uh, which then brings us on to last night's game as we're recording at the moment at Wembley, uh, Hungary at home. Although winning in Andorra, a win against Hungary still wouldn't have assured us a place in Qatar because results went differently or against us, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah. on the Andorra night so obviously we, we wanted to to get a win didn't materialize that, that did it and it was strange night last night I felt it it's one of those games where I I was chatting with a friend of mine through throughout the game and, and I like to generally try and keep my eyes on the game but it was it was I found it a bit too easy just to have a chat difficult wasn't it yeah the game itself was um was dull thought there's been a lot of um, unnecessary criticism well I think criticism criticism is 
is right. At the end of the day, we drew one well Hungary. On the face of it, you think, oh, we should be beating Hungary. We got we matched their result against France. You know, in the, you know, we we, yes. we and we we battered them in the game in the game before that. So, it you know, it, I'm not, I'm I'm not going to overreact and say, you know, Southgate needs to go and blah blah blah. What like we were listening to on Talksport last night. I'm kind of the other way with it. I look at it and think he tried something different. Uh, we went with one one screen, so to speak, one sort of one holding midfielder. Yeah. Well, he gave us the uh, excitement that we sort of wanted, didn't he? Changed it yeah. around. Let me just quickly run through the team for those that maybe don't know. Uh, Pickford, Walker, Luke Shaw, Declan Rice, John Stones, Tyron Mings, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount. Um, so he's given us, like you say, that that one screen and the three um, attacking options. Uh, didn't come off, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I felt that we missed Phillips a lot. It's noticeable, uh, wasn't it? Maybe, and I don't know, maybe we should have played Henderson in there with hindsight. We would have played Henderson in there. I think we probably would have won, to be honest. But I think what Southgate said is 100% bang on, I think. He said, um, we tried to be more attacking and because we tried to be more attacking, we became less attacking or or more defensive or yeah. words to that. Now, I, I personally think that the way how we set up normally where we've got those two defensive midfielders, it effectively means that they can soak up the pressure, not only in front of the back four, but also halfway between sort of the box and the halfway line, and they can kind of dictate play. You've effectively got two quarterbacks on the pitch, right? Yeah, you know, generally when that, generally when that happens in the NFL, you've got two. If if you've got a secondary quarterback or whatever that might be on there, every so often you bring them out the opposition immediately don't know what to do because they don't know where the ball's going to be coming from. Now, we, when we look at when we look at what we do normally with two, those two defensive midfielders, I, I'd like to look at them as not necessarily just defensive midfielders, but they're also attacking as well. They they patrol that area, that kind of first half of the opponent's half that we go into, and if the, generally if the ball goes into the box and it gets headed out it will generally get played back to them and then they will reset the play. And that's that. That's kind of what we need. Last night, we had one person basically patrolling that whole area and this is and this is the issue. People have been streaming out for a long time saying, we need to play this player, we need to play this player, we've got all this attacking and talent, let's play them, let's play them. But it showed last night that if we don't stick to what we're good at and what we know, we stifle that extra player that we put in further forward and the players that would have been there anyway. So I, I, I'm very much in favour of going back to, uh, uh, you know, the, the two holding. Um, I, I wouldn't have a problem going back to the two. And I, I personally would like to see it see it like that for the, for the foreseeable anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have gone our way and then people would have been saying, oh, told you so, told you so. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not to say that it may work against someone else. Um, and we may see it again at some point. But I think, as you say, we've been playing how we've been playing for so long and we've been getting the results that we've been getting for so long. Let's say, why, if it's not broken? Why fix it? Why fix it? OK, with no Phillips in the squad, perhaps he felt the need to to give it yeah. a go this time. Uh, it, it could have gone one of two ways, three ways. Um, but I think the, the important thing is we 
we didn't lose, um, and, uh, and and we still came out unscathed. John Stone's got the goal with a header. Could have had two two goals from a header, couldn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, but so. yeah, a point point for that, and, and hopefully qualification assured next month in November. The last episode, I spoke with Thomas Morsmer from the Hungarian football podcast and and well obviously we we mentioned out the previous yeah. issues with Hungary and I think I I think I said something along the lines of I, I can almost guarantee 99% that there will be no issues this time at Wembley being at yeah. home and uh well yeah I'm, how wrong can you be um there was a few issues right at the beginning of the game um the taking of the knee didn't go down particularly well with the uh with the Hungarian fans. And, and to be honest, I was surprised that with the amount of Hungarian fans that were there, although I assume they were English-based. Yeah. I, I just, I believe, well, I've, I've seen a lot of the lot in the, um, not in the papers, but, you know, on their, on their websites. Mm. They're referring to them being both Hungarian and Polish. Yes, I've seen that, yeah. So I don't, uh, there seems to be some kind of connection between, the, well, you know, some kind of historical connection between them. Um, and they've, you know, that they, the Polish, the Polish were there to support the Hungarians yesterday. So, what I do feel is, I, th- I feel their their fans let their players down. There was some booze for their own player, one of their own players yesterday, which, um, yeah. you know, that I didn't like that at all. Um, didn't like the fact that they're booing our players, certain individuals on our team, and I think it's, uh, I, I think UEFA and FIFA need to act. You know, there's a there's a number of issues going on at the moment. You look at what happened with Albania, Poland yesterday, and you think that is just that shouldn't be happening. And what we saw in the away end last night, and what we saw in the home end in Budapest. Yes, yeah. It just it it can't continue. You know, the end of the day, fans need fans need to behave themselves. They need to be they need to be respectable. They need to you know that they they just need to not not be racist and discriminatory (laughs) against against people that could be sat next to them, people that are in front of them playing on the pitch and people that are sat in across the whole stadium that they're playing in. Yeah. And so, people and need to feel safe. Not, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like, like the sanitised nation about the notion of what, what some people would like football to be clean, turn up, hold hands, you know, uh, <laughs> Have a cuddle after the game, you know all that sort of thing. I, you know, especially at the moment, you know, you can't cuddle anybody, um, you know, uh, still. But um, but still, I'm 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 still. I, I like I like there to be an edge. I I preferred Ninian Park to the Cardiff City Stadium. You know, I, that that's because it, it was edgy going there. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Coventry fan. People used to love going to Highfield Road because it was a bit of an edge. It was a bit edgy going there um, compared to what it is at the. Uh, CBS Arena as it is now but ultimately you still want to go there and like not see the scenes of what we saw the way how they treated our police I thought was disgraceful I thought that the um, I thought they were quite ill-equipped to be honest I'm surprised they didn't have yeah Mm. they just seemed to be in their normal uniforms they weren't wearing any any sort of protection at all well there was a piece I think written in Either the Guardian or the Observer, where they where they said that there was going to be a, a higher police presence. Um, I, I didn't necessarily feel that. Um, and I think they were onto a hide into nothing. To be honest, the moment that the moment they went in there to try and 
stop it. I think there was an issue with a banner or something or a couple of banners yeah. that caused some upset uh, from the fans from, I think it was on the left-hand side, um, as you look at their their section. So the fans on the, kind of in the England end on the left-hand side caused a bit of upset. And then from the police as well, I think I think they caused a bit of upset with them. But so they they tried to remove the banner and then all the banners, and then it started to kick off. And I thought they were quite. They just seemed to be going in hiding to nothing really, because they they weren't. They didn't look like they were in any sort of like protective gear or anything. No. And when you go in like that, automatically, you know the opposite. These fans are going to look at that and think, oh, okay, well we can probably just drive them out. And they just, did. Then they did. Yeah. So there needs to be huge questions asked by FIFA and UEFA about and there this. Probably will be questions asked of Wembley again because they managed to get a smoke grenade in. Yeah, uh, I mean, how yeah. when when we're told as as supporters that you can we have to go through airport security effectively, um, you can only have a an A4 clear bag. Mm. Yet we struggle to get a sandwich in. Yeah, I mean, during the Euros, I was able to take my flag in for the six games. I think it was four. Two of them, two of the games, it didn't go in just simply because um, of the. Uh, they're saying it was dangerous, and there was a chap. Um, he said due to health and safety, and there's a chap that uh, Kate bought came in at the same time as me, and he he said, "Well, my flag's ten foot. It's too big. It's too big for your rules. But why is my why is my why is his flag more dangerous than mine?" So. He, and then during during the Euros as well in 2016, exactly the same issue. Um, didn't take it to any of the group games. Well, I did, but I just couldn't get it in. Same um, 2018, there was problems with people taking flags. In. You think so? You, you take you struggle to take a flag in, but you can take a, a smoke grenade, yeah. and you you can take all, you know all sorts of things in it. it just I don't. Obviously, you can't. You can't search every person, every inch of every person, and you can just only imagine where how these things get into, uh, yeah, into probably, stadiums. Can't probably it? best not to. Uh, best not to think too much about that. That's yeah. the authorities <laughs> to uh, to think yeah. about. Uh, and, and to be fair, I I've got nothing really against. This sounds really sort of strange. I've got nothing against like a smoke grenade because I think it almost gives it that edgier atmosphere that you that yeah. you mentioned. But they, you have to draw a line. Well, it's for safety restrictions, isn't it? Well, yeah, Wembley get another opportunity next month to see what they can do and, and make things safe when we've got Albania coming to uh, to England. And then it's it's away to San Marino. And then I think, uh, well, it, it should be done and dusted with Albania, shouldn't it? It should be. We should beat them. I mean, what, with two points clear away Poland, I think? So, um I was always looking at how far ahead we were of Poland, not of Albania, with all due respect to them. Um, um, I mean, I know they're a lot better than they used to be, Albania, but um, it was always Poland. I was thinking we, need to, we needed to finish ahead of. We finish ahead of Poland, we win the group. Yeah. I feel that we, we, should be, we should beat Albania, let's face it. If we, if, we don't, if we don't beat them, then it will start to get a little bit worrying. But we've got a virtual guaranteed three points after that anyway. With all due respect to them, away, away from home in um, in Saravel. and I think we're um, it's another one to look forward to. I think um, been there before, and it's you know lovely place. Again, it's another one like um, Andorra that you got to fly into somewhere else and then drive, get Trains, a coach, buses, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's just you've got to get it. You've got to. It's, it's difficult to get over there, and it so 
well, it's not the easiest place to get to. So, but still, it's still still one to look forward to, and it's one that hopefully we can all be at. And I mean, I've seen rumours of two hundred tickets, and I've seen rumours of fifteen hundred. I've seen rumours of three, two to three thousand, as many as we wanted. Yeah. So, which would probably be enough to satisfy demand, I would say. Because it's not like a lot of people haven't been there before. That's so. right. There's there's a big hill if you don't get a ticket as well. Well, exactly. Yeah, and in, yeah, you can you can sit there with a beer if you wanted to. Yeah. So watch well, watch. Yeah, plenty to it's uh, plenty to get excited about and uh, and and for next month. But uh, on a on a personal note, um, I know you've got a little bit of exciting news coming up, and uh, I just wanted to to wish you all the best for uh, your your forthcoming nuptials. Yeah, this Saturday, sixteenth. Yeah, it's um, it's something to look forward to, isn't it? The big football theme on there. So, Is there? Um, yeah, yeah, big big football t- theme. We've got um, the tables are all named after Coventry City players. You know, you've got the Dion Dublin table to your Michael Misford table. So, um, yeah, so plenty of uh, plenty of quality players on there, and uh, yeah, it's it's very very much football themed. Good stuff. Well, uh, yeah, all, all the very best to uh, yourselves and and Hannah as well. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Russell. Thanks to CJ there. Always good to speak with him. Do you know what? We didn't even talk about the the penalty that Hungary won and and subsequently scored from. But... Watching the highlights back, I, I was in the top tier looking down on that one, and and I only got to look at the the highlights to see that was never a penalty, never a penalty in a uh, in a month of Sundays. They stole that one from us. Now, let's talk Nations League for a moment, because whilst we were in action against Andorra and Hungary, the second Nations League finals were taking place. It took place in Italy. I think they were in Milan and Turin. It kind of feels like this one passed us by, as we weren't allowed access to any of the group games for it, as they were played at the height of the COVID lockdown back through September, October and November last year. Remember them? (laughs) We came third in a group with Belgium, Denmark and Iceland. Of course, the first outing of the tournament saw us all take a trip to Portugal, where we came third after we lost to the Dutch in the first game, then beat Switzerland on penalties. Now, that most recent finals of the tournament, well, that saw France beat Spain in the final after they'd beaten hosts Italy and perennial underachievers Belgium. Are they really ever going to be seen as a world force, as the best world force to never win a trophy? I don't know. So the next instalment of this tournament is a good tournament. I'm really enjoying the Nations League. Uh, what's the deal? Now, with the World Cup being held in November and December of next year, this means the qualifying phase of it has been shifted to June and September next year, 2022. Now, it looks like the match days are as follows. We've got match day one will take place between the 2nd and 4th of June. Match day two, 5th and 8th of June. Match day three, 8th and 11th of June. And match day four, 12th and 14th of June. That means we'll have four games in early June. Where they'll be, we don't know, but we'll get onto that in a moment. And then match day five will be between the 22nd and 24th of September next year. And match day 6th 
will be the 25th to the 27th of September. So as I say, four games in June. All looks good for some summertime holidaying destinations, doesn't it? But who could we play and when do we find out? Let me enlighten you. Let's start with the draw date. 16th of December this year. It is a Thursday. Uh, It'll be 5pm UK time and it'll be drawn from UEFA's HQ in Switzerland. Now currently England are ranked 9th in League A. Now as before, League A will be split into four groups of four. So that's four pots of four teams to be drawn. France, as current winners, are ranked first and will be in pot one alongside all those teams that featured in this year's finals, so Spain, Italy and Belgium. So none of those can be drawn against each other. However, we will be drawn against one of them. So we will definitely face one of France, Spain, Italy or Belgium. Pot two contains Portugal, the Netherlands, Denmark and Germany. We will face one of those. Pot three, as I mentioned, that is the group that we are in alongside Poland, Switzerland and Croatia. So we can't be drawn against any of those. So no trips there. Then pot four features the promoted sides from the previous tournament. And they are Wales, Austria, Czech Republic and Hungary. Hmm. Uh, So we will definitely be facing one of those. So now this is where you start to look at all those different countries and thinking a few things to yourself. Who do you fancy us against? Or where do you want to go following England? For me, a few different scenarios. Uh, We've not played Italy uh, in Italy for some time now, uh, or had the opportunity to invade Belgium, as it's well known. Spain, well, could it be potentially played at Madrid, Seville? Uh, Of course, that was a recent destination for those that remember the Nations League a few years back. Portugal, Netherlands, Denmark, Germany. Netherlands and Germany, they always seem to come around, although not sort of competitively. Generally always been friendlies. And Germany, their last away competitive game in Germany was the 5-1 in 2001. But personally, I think I'd like to see us see us a chance to play in Portugal. That'd be good. Then in pot four, Wales, nice and close. Uh, and from a personal perspective, I've never seen us play there before. Austria, we were due to go there a year or so back, but it was cancelled. Czech Republic, well, I went to Prague a few years back and we lost. Uh, and of course, well, Hungary. There was the recent issues that we don't need to go on about uh, anymore. So. Yeah, I'm not keen on going there, to be honest. Uh, But that's the Nations League. We will, of course, touch more on that come December time when that draw is made. But yeah, that's just giving you a little flavour, a little outline uh, of what is to come in the Nations League. There we go. That'll do for this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. Glad you could join me. Thank you also to CJ, Coventry in England fan, CJ Joyner. Uh, he's on Twitter at CJCovBlaze, I think it is. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Also, 
Just a quick one. Uh, hi to the two Ipswich lads I met at the Bobby Moore statue just outside Wembley on Tuesday. We had a good old natter for 10 minutes. Sorry, <laughs> I've forgotten your names, but I recognise faces. Uh, I may see you again. And I know that flag when I see it. Once again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can find the see the podcast on all the usual social media outlets, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just search for it there. Uh, if you're up for giving us a nice little review on the likes of iTunes, go on, why not? Why not? Uh, I'll be back again very soon with another episode. Feel free to get in touch if you want to contribute. You can do that. Email, yeah, three lions podcast at gmail.com. Hopefully, we'll do another Your First England Away game episode soon. So stand by your downloads for that one. So until then, take care, look after yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.